The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is Cruise Radio. If this whole thing we're going through right now has taught us anything, it is to always have travel insurance. Get a quote today at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. A lot of cruise news this week, so we'll jump right to Sherry Laskin with Cruise News. Hey, Sherry. Hi, Doug. More cruise cancellations. Yeah, we sort of knew this would happen eventually, and two cruise lines have announced another round of cancellations in the past week. First, Norwegian Cruise Line announced a cancellation of all cruises through August. For September, the cruise line is still holding out hope that Norwegian Bliss and Norwegian Joy still might depart from Seattle for Southeast Alaska cruises. Other than those two potential departures, the cruise line also canceled all remaining September cruises, as well as the handful of October departures scheduled from Vancouver. Also, Cunard canceled all cruise departures for Queen Mary II and Queen Victoria through November 1st, and Queen Elizabeth cruises are canceled through November 23rd. I saw where the um, Uncruise Adventure just announced they'll be doing Southeast Alaska, I think starting next month or maybe August 1st. That's the plan so far. We were just notified the other day. Um, You know, fingers crossed these Mm -hmm. little communities really need the business, but, um, you know, We'll have to see how this goes. Yeah, they sure do. So Carnival Cruise Line, some of their crew members made a special cross-country journey to head home over land. Yeah, you could call it that. So to get nearly 100 Carnival crew members back to their home countries meant a collaboration between Panamanian officials and the Carnival repatriation team. So when Carnival Miracle arrived on the Pacific side of Panama, Rather than make the slow and costly journey through the Panama Canal, buses were waiting to take the crew members on a 90-mile bus ride to the other side of Panama on the Atlantic coast. From there, the crew from the Miracle boarded the Carnival Glory, and that ship will eventually cruise over to Curacao, where crew members can then board commercial planes to get home. In the meantime, the ship was waiting in Panama for more Carnival crew members to arrive and board the ship, and then it will head out to the Southern Caribbean. And speaking of Curacao, this next story sets it up quite perfectly because there's a cruise ship going up for auction. I know. Here's Curacao twice in one report, right? So if you're in the market for your own luxury polar ice cutter, the Resolute is up for auction. The ship sleeps 146 passengers, features a saltwater plunge pool, and has a heated alfresco dining venue. The auction will take place, as we mentioned, in Curacao on Monday, June 22nd. The ship is currently docked there, and if you happen to be there, well, you know, you could place a bid, I guess. The Resolute has been leased for several years by One Ocean Expeditions, which features Polar Journeys. The company recently filed for bankruptcy in British Columbia. And from what we know, the ship is operating with bare-bones crew, and the owners are, according to Cruise Industry News, 
responsible for debts amounting to just under $4 million. So the CDC released a color-coded system to assist with cruise ships during the pandemic. What is this all about? Yeah, this is this is kind of interesting. I'm still trying to figure out the uh, financial logic behind it, but I think I know what it is. So according to an update from the CDC and, and an article in Cruise Industry News, uh, the CDC recently met with cruise line executives, and the purpose was to create a color code designation to determine which ships can be allowed to send crew home during a no-sale order. The ship must be able to confirm that there have been no cases of COVID-19 or flu-like illnesses for the past 28 days prior to disembarking your crew. If this is confirmed, then when a ship is docked at a U.S. port during a no-sale order, crew can leave the ship and take a commercial flight home. If the ship doesn't comply with these guidelines, then the crew may still disembark, but they can only take non-commercial flights home. And that's, you know, that's expensive for the cruise lines, right? So as of June 15th, only one cruise line has received a green light from the CDC. Bahamas Paradise Cruise Line and its Grand Celebration ship may now fly crew members home on commercial planes. There are several other cruise lines and their ships, and they're still under what's called provisional green, and they're awaiting review and approval of their documents that they submitted to the CDC. And other ships are in provisional red, which means they have yet to complete the required documents. And these ships all are owned by a handful of well-known cruise lines, including MSC, Norwegian, Royal Caribbean, Celebrity Oceana, Disney, and Virgin Cruises. They have ships that are either docked or plan to dock at U.S. ports. And if, if you happen to look at the CDC site, um, keep in mind that if you don't see your cruise line or your favorite ship listed, that just means that they're not intending to stop at a U.S. port that week or they have no ships already there. Anyone can look at this, right, where it's just showing people mm-hmm. how healthy their ship has been over the past few months? Past 28 days. Okay. And remember all that, all that um, commotion when... The CDC wasn't allowing crew members to get on commercial flights mm-hmm. and, the, and the cruise lines were holding out because it was so costly. I think I think this is their workaround. Okay, gotcha. um, They've Makes come sense. to some agreement that, well, if, if we comply with everything, there's no cases within 28 days, then please grant us. And, and there's a no sale order going on. You know, this will enable our crew members to go home on commercial flights. And Virgin Voyages has their second ship. So their first ship hasn't even started sailing yet because of the shutdown, but their second ship just achieved a milestone. Yep. So over in Italy, Virgin Voyages celebrated the float out of their second ship, Valiant Lady. The new cruise line's second ship is scheduled to launch next May 2021 and will cruise a season of seven night voyages from Barcelona into the Mediterranean. And meanwhile, like you said, we're still awaiting the debut of Virgin Voyage's first ship, Scarlet Lady. This ship was supposed to begin cruising this past spring, but the celebrated launch is now scheduled for October. Listener question, email yours to Doug at cruiseradio.net. Mark asks, can I wear a face shield in the main dining room while eating so I don't have to wear a cloth mask? Well, Mark, um, that is an interesting question. And first, let me state, I am not a medical person, and this is only my opinion. You know, a plastic face shield would definitely um, provide better visibility for others to see and see you and, you know, would help crew members identify you a little bit easier. 
But worn alone, and again, it's just my opinion, um, even in the dining room, I, I, you know, I don't think wearing a face shield would offer the same protection as a well-fitted cloth mask. You know, of course, you can't eat with a cloth mask on, but then um, neither can you with a face shield. But if it were me, you hear, I would bring several uh, comfortable cloth masks with me so I can hand wash them in the sink and let them air dry and still have plenty to use. Um, but if you already have this plastic face shield, may as well pack that as well. Um, at the same time, I, I shouldn't be laughing. I'm just visualizing a cruise ship with everybody wearing PPE. Um, you know, bring some protective eye shields as well to wear with your mask. I, you know, I, I don't know. Cruising in this fashion it just it sounds so weird. But, you know, for many people, it's probably better than not taking a cruise at all, especially if, you know, all this pent up cruisaholic spirit, we all want to get back out there. But the face shield, you know, I would pack it and see how it goes. But definitely bring some extra cloth masks that you can wash and wear. Been talking with Sherry Laskin from CruiseMaven.com. As always, thank you, Sherry. Thanks, Doug. If you have an Amazon Alexa enabled device, ask her to enable the Cruise Radio News Skill so you can get daily updates anytime. Straight from Cruise Radio. The question we get at Cruise Radio is How do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Check out our blog, the video page, and interact at cruiseradio.net. Earlier this year, Mary cruised on Caribbean Princess, and she joins us on the line. Hey, Mary. Hey, Doug. So this is cool. It says here that you sailed Caribbean Princess about 15 years ago. Yeah, December of of 2005. It was the Christmas week. Now, unfortunately, ex-husband and my two sons who were teenagers, that was like the only week that we were all in the same place at the same time that year. And it was not only Christmas week, but it was also Hanukkah week. So there was lots of kids on that ship. Nice. So what part of the country are you in? I'm in Indianapolis. Okay. So you're, oh, wow. So it's kind of probably, you're having a chilly winter, right? No, actually, we're not. I think it's because I decided to spend thousands of dollars on a cruise (laughs) to escape the cold. Because when I booked this cruise in January of last year, of 2019, the morning I decided I'm not going to do this anymore, it was 11 below zero that morning. (laughs) Today, as we record, it's 61 degrees. Okay, then. Yeah, my best friend, uh, he had a job up there for five years, and I'd go up there and see him quite a bit in the wintertime, and it was just miserably cold up there. Well, it can be, but apparently when I decided to go on this cruise to avoid all that, (laughs) it was not. So let's start with some pre-cruise thoughts. What made you want to sail this cruise on Caribbean Princess? Like I said, I wanted to get away for a couple of weeks to, you know, mid-January. It's kind of slow in the office after the first of year rush, be somewhere warm. I did get away from the office for a couple of weeks, but it wasn't that cold here. I mean, relatively speaking, but yeah, I just thought it would be fun to 
be out of the office for a couple of weeks, take a cruise. I cruise solo, so I get the luxury of playing twice, so I figured I'm just going to do whatever I want when I want. There you go. So you make your way down to Port Everglades. Did you spend any pre-cruise time down there? Yes, I did. I went down the day before because you just never know. And I stayed at the Four Points by Sheridan, which was awesome. I was on the top floor, and my room looked straight out onto the port. And I think you and I exchanged some emails because I was really happy since we were leaving on a Monday that we were the only ship in. When I came in on that Sunday before, there were six ships coming and going that day. And when I walked off the plane and got into the terminal, it was a sea of humanity of people (laughs) coming and going. And uh, so I was really happy that I was the only ship leaving on, on Monday. I also had the opportunity to have dinner with a, uh, a colleague. One of my other interests is Jane Austen. And there was an author that was down there on a book that he had released earlier in 2019. And we'd been exchanging emails. Come to find out he's not only a Jane Austen fan, but he is, he's a fan of cruising. So we had a awesome. wonderful dinner the night before I got on the ship. Very good. So you make your way to Port Everglades, and with there only being one ship in port, I'm going to probably assume it wasn't bad getting through security and all that to get actually onto the port. I left my hotel at 10.15. Since I was in a, in a suite, and we'll get into that later, I was on the ship. I left at 10.15 from the hotel. I was on the ship at 10.50. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I never stopped walking, uh, even could go into the little, you know, elite, sweet person lounge. Mm-hmm. Never even had a chance to sit down. I had the literally a, what they call a gold ticket, and I walked right on. Now, is Caribbean Princess set up for the Ocean Medallion? Yes, it is, and that was that was interesting. And I could explain more. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll talk about the, that in the, just a little bit. Though. Yeah, it definitely. I, you know, it's, it definitely made getting on really easy. It just like you never stop. Like mm-hmm. I said, you know, you just tap here. Oh, here. They did like the picture I had done beforehand. So they took a new one. But that took like 10 seconds and you're, you're already on the ship. Now, how do you wear your medallion around your neck or uh, as a bracelet or what? I wore mine only around my neck on a lanyard when I was going on and off the ship. Otherwise, I detached it. I put it into a little cross bag that I wore when I was on the ship, mm-hmm. and that's all I needed. I, basically, I joke about the fact that it was almost like we were gazelles being tracked on the Serengeti. So, <laughs> you know, as long as you had it on your person somehow, they knew where you were and what you looked like and what you bought, where you're going and where you're staying, and it was – it was a little unnerving, quite mm-hmm. frankly. Yeah. So you make your way on board Caribbean Princess. It's been 15 years for you. What were your impressions this time around? It was like visiting an old friend, but better, because I think in 2017, she went in for, you know, a little revision, a little having a little work done, if you will. But it didn't look like it was a ship that's nearly 20 years old or at least 16 years old. Not at all. I mean, everything was fresh. The one thing I like about Princess and Princess is the only cruise line I've ever sailed on is that mm-hmm. you go on the uh, on the ships and you kind of know where everything is. Everything's got familiar names, a fil- somewhat of a familiar layout. It's not like you have to reinvent the wheel every time you come in. It's like visiting an old friend. There you go. And you mentioned that you had a suite. So what kind of suite did you have and what did you think of it? Okay. Well, I originally had booked a Ocean View cabin. And, you know, again, since I'm traveling solo, I get to pay twice. So, you know, you're already out so much money, but I had already paid for everything. And then a few months, you know, before the sailing, I happened to notice these window suites. And there's only seven of them. They're on deck six. And it's kind of like, you know, on on the starboard side of the ship. 
And I said, I wonder if there's any of these available because you get all these perks and all this fun stuff. And so I called my person at Princess and she's like, yeah. And when she told me how much more it was, it wasn't that much more considering how much I've already paid. And I said, oh, you got to do this just for the perks alone. And it was huge. There were three walk-in closets. The bathroom had a double vanity with a whirlpool tub and a walk-in shower. There were 21 drawers in the suite. Mm -hmm. I had it set up for a queen-size bed. The couch also came out, could sleep too. There was a marble counter that ran about halfway under the windows with another area with like a vanity suite. They had their little desk, which they always have in their rooms. Refrigerator, it came with a mini bar set up. There were flowers. I mean, I was like in awe. And, and when I was posting, you know, doing things on Facebook and, and Facebook Live and stuff, a lot of the comments were people saying, I'm so jealous of you. And my response was, I'm jealous of me, too. I was just amazed. You get, you know, when you have to tender, you get to go to the front of the line. You have mm-hmm. your own lounge. You have your own place to eat. It was worth the money. Speaking of dining, let's talk about the meals on board in the restaurant. So we'll start in the main dining room. What time dining did you have and what did you think of it? Well, I had any time dining, but because I was in a suite, I got to go to the club dining areas. It's kind of a subsection cut, you know, kind of in the corner of the main dining room. And you have your own entrance and you can come and go when you want. You could do breakfast, lunch and dinner there, on, especially on breakfast uh, and then lunch on on sea days. You got items that weren't on the menu, which was hilarious because I hate it when I go to eat and I make up my mind off a menu and then they say, oh, but you have three more specials to choose from. So you would have even extra stuff. They would do, you know, table service, uh, you know, things that they would just prepare by your table side. You know, you got all the all the extra stuff. You're still in the main diner, but you're kind of off to the side. You have different tablecloths. There's just, a, you know, maybe 10 tables of varying sizes. It was very, it was very nice. Did you do any specialty restaurants? Yes, I actually, and I jokingly said, I ate my way around the ship. Okay. I did crown. That was part, actually, that was part of the package. I got, the, you know, I got a specialty dining. I did Sabatini's the very first night for free as part of my package, which I enjoyed the, the Italian. I did crown grill. I'm in the land of steak and potatoes. Mm-hmm. There are literally, from 10 minutes from where I work and live, there are six high-end steak restaurants. that I go to for business on a regular basis. So the Crown Grill was nice, but to me it was nothing that I haven't had in other places. If anything, there was just way too much food. I left half of my meal behind. Wow. What kind of steak did you get? I got an 8-inch filet, which is filet mignon, which is what my normal is, rare, you know, put it through a warm room kind of thing. Um, You know, the basic sides and everything. There was just so much food. I mean, the sides. and, And I actually thought it was interesting. I got better quality of service in the club dining area, you know, for the main dining room, than I actually did in the Crown Grill. Now, Sabatini's, they were all over me because another perk you get for being in the suite is sweet people get to go eat breakfast at Sabatini's, and we get a mimosa breakfast every day. Nice. (laughs) I love it. Now, so you did Crown Grill, Sabatini's, main dining room. Did anything else? Oh, yeah, I did Planks, which was, you know, their their barbecue, you Mm -hmm. know, all the meats. That was pretty good. And then I did steamers. 
which is their seafood equivalent to to planks. And that was okay. Um, I'm not a big shell person, but so I kind of got the fried fish thing. One thing I noticed, though, you know, there's an upcharge for those. It's only like 12 bucks a person, opposed to the $29 that would be on the others. Mm-hmm. What I've noticed is that people that were in large groups did dinners at planks and at steamers because they could be more accommodating for like parties of like, matter of fact, one when I was in planks, my waiter was making sure I got my order in because there was like a group of 20. And, you know, it's hard to put 20 people in the main dining room. And you can, you know, try to get 20 seats together in the buffet is not possible either. So I could see a lot of groups were, you know, a lot of big groups that were together were doing the dining in these, you know, next tier, um, you know, paid eating establishments. But they were really, it was more accommodating for that kind of thing. More, you know, it was a little less formal. Everybody could kind of have some fun. The cost was reasonable. So I think that's where those shined. You didn't see a whole lot of, you know, singles or couple groups. In those dining areas, you saw large groups. It seems like a lot of the cruise lines are adding barbecue restaurants. Like it's a new trend. Like Royal Caribbean has Portside Barbecue. Carnival has their Guy Fieri partnership. Norwegian has Q. Did you think with Planks that the value was there? I think so. I think so. You know, it kind of gave you a chance to find something or try something that you might not normally do. You know, and it was four courses. So, I mean, it Mm -hmm. was, you know, one charge and you got all, you got a lot of food. Yeah. And you got a chance, but the nice thing is you got a lot of little pieces of food, you know. So you got like three of these and a cup of that and, a you know, a couple legs of this. It wasn't like, you know, you got to have a chance because you got to pick, you know, you can do four things on a menu of like 10 different things. So you got to, you know, and if you, if you plan to well with somebody, you know, you could get four of those and you get three of those and everybody can kind of have a tasting, Mm -hmm. almost like a tapas bar. How was the buffet on the ship? Okay, I'm not a big buffet person. Mm-hmm. I dine for a living, as I jokingly tell people in my real life. I really don't like going and hunting for my food. Uh-huh. I only went to the buffet twice for dinner, and the first time was just, you know, abysmal as far as I could concern. The second time wasn't so bad. They were doing, like, prime rib and some others. I kind of had some proteins. But, you know, I'm not a big – I've never been a big buffet person. And so, like I said, I, there were so many other options. You know, and I did – you know, I got the pizza up on the deck. I did the ice cream. I referred to him as a pizza drive-by and an ice cream drive-by. I did salty dog uh, one night for lunch for like hot dog. I even did chef's table. Wow. How was that? That was very interesting. There was a lot of food, but it came out in like stages. Portions. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't have, you know, and you did part of it. You did all your appetizers in the galley. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you got picked for it, matter of fact, I didn't even go to my room first. I went straight to customer service so I could get on the list for chef's table as soon as I got on the ship. So, you know, because there was there was 12 spots, but because I was a single, they were only being, there was only 11 of us. But, mm-hmm. you know, you had to go to a to a meeting before they even let you do chef's table. If you got picked, then you had to go to like a pre-meeting to explain all the particulars and all that you have to to do before they let you even even go into the galley and, and mm-hmm. what they expect of you. And, and it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed this. It was interesting. I did mine without wine only because I'm not a big red wine person and I mm-hmm. knew that they would be serving that. So when there would be like one of the appetizers had one of them had vodka in it and they did a champagne toast, they were all worried about, now, can you have this? Or, <laughs> you know, we'll give you ginger ale for the champagne toast. And uh, I was like, I think they were afraid that because I didn't drink. I was like, oh, no, I drank. I just didn't want the wine. <laughs> right. So <laughs> we and the chef, Chef Martin, was just a delight. He was recently on, um, I think he's only been on the ship maybe a month. 
And so he was just kind of, you know, getting used to the staff and everything. But he was a delight. He was so much fun to be around. On this 10-night cruise, how was the entertainment? Well, the entertainment was interesting. We'll get to when we talk about the port. We had to miss a port, and that definitely affected the entertainment situation because we had rough seas. Mm -hmm. From the time we left after our first port, which was Grand Cayman, we had very rough seas through most of the sailing. But, you know, they, they had a, the comic, uh, Noodles Livingston, he was great. The initial music guest in the in there was uh, Rick Steele. He was a delight. I teased him. He worked a room like a, somebody running for mayor. We had the magician, uh, Jay. He was a, a lot of fun. The actual production shows were okay. Some of the elements that they tried to incorporate may have been a little, you know, you're, you're singing songs about the 60s. And you have everybody in 60s costumes, but you have them talking on like they're talking So that was, a little, that was a little peculiar, I thought. But the problem we had with the rough seas is some of the production shows, because anymore you have to have aerial stuff and you mm-hmm. have to have drones. When you're rocking and rolling, you can't do either one of those things. Yeah. You obviously can't do the aerial stuff because of safety reasons. And the reason you can't do the drones is the technology involved with the drones. They don't do real well when things aren't real level. And they have a tendency, and one of the shows, they could not do the drones because they have a tendency of flying right into the performer's head. Oh, so, geez. you know, there were some, there were wow. some challenges. Yeah, I would say so. How was the music around the ship? The music was great, you know, anywhere you went, it was stuff that I could sing along. It was, the crowd was very old. When I say that, I think the average age was like 67, and I'm 55, but I consider myself pretty hip in the music area. So, you know, I'm listening to Third Eye Blind and singing along, and I'm happy. Yeah. But, you know, they had nice, you know, it wasn't overpowering. Everybody could talk to themselves. Plus, they had a lot of performers in the, the piazza, the they have like an onboard orchestra. There's like 12 people and they can play anything, anywhere, you know, soloists. They had electronic violinists. They had like duo guitar folks that could play some, you know, they were, I came by one, you know, coming through one day and they're playing Purple Rain and everybody's just crying because it's Prince and it's Purple Rain. So they do a lot. And there's a lot of areas. You could be in one area and, and hear it there and you could be in another area and hear something else and you're not conflicting with each other. How were the sea days as far as crowds and congestion on this 10-night cruise? They moved really well. Since we did have an extra sea day, there was a lot to do. I mean, obviously, you had the casino. Bingo's big on Princess. You know, and the art gallery and the art auctions are big. I did a lot of trivia. That's I met some new friends playing trivia, and we kind of dominated the entire cruise to the point where people were kind of getting angry with us. But we didn't care <laughs> because we won. But there was a lot to do. I went up to the spa one day and had a lot of fun there because I bought myself like a little mini spa package. So that was a lot of fun. Luckily, that was before things were too rocky. I don't think I would have been up there since their spas like on the 16th deck or 15th deck. I don't think I would have been up there having a massage later on in the cruise without probably feeling a little nauseous. Was it that rough out there? It was pretty rough. And when you have an older demographic, there were some people that, you you know, there were some Walker and Kane crowd. So you had to be kind of careful. And there wasn't bad weather. It was just rough seas. Mm-hmm. So on this 10-night cruise, what we'll do here is give us the ports of call you went to and give us a highlight from each port. Grand Cayman was our first stop. I'd never been to Grand Cayman before. I had a wonderful time, took a couple tours, you know, went to hell, drank rum mm-hmm. in the middle of the day, which is always great. Right. One of the top 
things I had is I got to go to the main branch of their library. Me and a Jane Austen person, I always like to check out libraries. Mm -hmm. And I got to talk to the head librarian about Jane Austen. They gave me a library card for their system. And then on my way back, I passed the best street vendor with the best food I've ever had in my life, these salt fish fritters. And I could eat those every day for the rest of my life and probably be happy. (laughs) So they were really good. Our next stop was uh, Cartagena, Colombia, where shopping is a contact sport and uh, very aggressive vendors. But then again, Mm -hmm. I negotiate for a living. So I had a lot of fun trying to negotiate the price of a magnet for my refrigerator. We went on a tour of the old city, had a lot of fun there, a lot of walking, a lot of walking. And that was the day I was probably out in the sun the most. And then after that, we went to the Panama Canal. And it's amazing the technology. Now, granted, we went through the new locks, which were, you know, recently built. Mm -hmm. But when you realize what the old locks how they were would have been built and designed and the engineering involved when they built them basically 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been to the Hoover Dam. I've been to the Arch in St. Louis. I've been to, you know, the Empire State Building. When you realize the kind of engineering that went into that without computers and all the whiz-bang stuff we have these days, it's just amazing, the technology. And, and, and you know, basically it's, you know, a wonder of the world. And it was very fun. I just love the engineering part of it. Whenever you went through the Panama Canal, now, did you like anchor in Lake Gatun and were you offered an excursion? We were and you could. I chose not to. I originally had one planned mm-hmm. and I decided to stay on the ship that day. And I'm kind of glad I did because the excursion I had ended up having some difficulties. Oh, and folks took three hours. We were three hours late leaving because they had problems going through the old locks. They had problems with buses breaking down. Oh, so wow. I'm kind of glad I kind of stayed with the ship. <laughs> what excursion were you signed up for? The one where you would go and take the through the locks, and the old locks, and you actually would go to the Pacific, Okay, get on the ferry, and then uh-huh. come back. But I just started looking at stuff about two weeks beforehand and realized, you know, I'm doing a lot of stuff. Maybe, you know, you, you came here to see the Panama Canal. Why don't you stay on the ship and, and check yeah. out the Panama Canal? There you go. And then after Panama Canal, what did you do? Well, we were supposed to go to Costa Rica. As we put it, we went too close to Rica. We were literally backing into the harbor. We were five minutes from being at, you know, right there at the dock, and they waved us off. They said, it's too bad. You can't come in. Um, Was that just because of the the weather? The seas were that rough okay, that wow. they we we're rocking and rolling. I mean, we were. I mean, I'm eating my breakfast, ready to to you know. As soon as breakfast hits, we would be in the dock, and I you know we'd be at dock. I could get off and go do my walking tours and go do all the fun stuff and go check out. The, you know, that was a big day. I was ready to go because we were going to be in that port for a long time. That was. A, I think we were going to be there till like dinner time and like six o'clock. And so I'm like ready to go and. So they had to scramble real fast to figure out what they're going to do with us that day because most people were going to be gone. That was also the day that they were supposed to have a change in the entertainers and crew. Oh, wow. Yeah, some of our entertainers were supposed to, you know, comedian, the magician, our singing guy, they were all supposed to get off and be in other ships even the very next day or the day after that, and we would get new people that were supposed to come on, plus just ship crew. Well, that didn't happen. So they threw together, Rick Steele threw together within an hour, you know, that afternoon, he threw together a show that he played three shows that night so that we would have a show to go to that night. And it was excellent. And it was probably better than the first show that is his normal show than he did earlier in the cruise. And he threw this together. The production manager said they came in about 4.30, 
kind of went through a, a, a show, kind of rehearsed it, went to tea because our, our production manager's from, from Yorkshire. Mm-hmm. And Ian says they went to tea about 5.30 and at 6.30, they did a show at 6.30 at like 7.45 and then like 9 o'clock. Wow. So they were busy. Yeah. And yeah. of course, then the rest of the ship was trying, you know, they all of a sudden within within about an hour and a half, we had a revised schedule for the entire day with activities. Wow. Okay. Our last port was Jamaica, which I'd been to before and was kind of interesting. It's been 17 years since I've been to Jamaica, so it was mm-hmm. interesting to see it. We dock at Falmouth, and so that was really fun. So you haven't sailed. Was your last cruise in 05 or just your last Princess cruise? My No, my last Princess cruise, my last cruise was in January of 18. I had a big okay. gap between uh, 08 and 18, but I did go, in, and I was on the Crown in January of 18. I gotcha. So after Falmouth, you make your way back to Port Everglades, correct? Correct. Okay, very nice. How was disembarkation? Well, it was really great for me because I did the program where you could send your bag ahead because I overpacked and I knew I was going to be overweight. Mm -hmm. So where you could throw everything in there and for $25 plus your $30 bag fee that you would have to pay American to fly anyway – I never saw my bag after I sent it out on the, you know, the night before, you know, that, that last cruise night. And I didn't see it till I got home in Indianapolis on the carousel, and I was happy with that. And it didn't take any time at all not having to mess with my bags right through customs. You know, I got, I got pre-check. I, they, I don't know if the global entry thing was open or not. I didn't see anybody using it. But, you know, I just, you know, here's my thing. They, they tap your medallion one last time it's you they didn't even want to see your pass you had your passport out they didn't care once they saw you just went right through how does that work when like their fly away whatever their luggage program is called their luggage forward like because you flew american and american does charge like a baggage fee unless you have a credit card then it's free but do you pay the baggage fee through princess or through american through princess and because i had some canceled since I'd canceled my Panama Canal excursion, and then obviously our Costa Rica excursions were canceled, I had a lot of extra onboard credit. Because I also, when I upgraded to the suite, I got a bunch of onboard credit. Mm -hmm. So it just went through my my account. I didn't have to worry about it. You know, I didn't have to pay at the gate, you know, the $30 when you check your bag. I overpack. I'm 4'10". I can't put things in an overhead bin to (laughs) save my life. So I'm just used to you know, if I have to pay for a bag, you just pay for a bag. Yeah, sometimes it's just easier to, it to check a bag I as do well. A little, yeah, I do yeah. a little cross bag when I travel mm-hmm. um, that have my necessities in it. I also got gifted, again, wonderful things that happen when you when you cruise like this and, and have wonderful friends and such, is that I got gifted a Stanley Bear, so, you know, which is their little mascot. Uh-huh. So Stanley, like, you know, had to come home with me, and it was like, <laughs> you know, like he was my child sitting on my lap in the right. airplane, so... <laughs> Looking back, do you have any first-time tips to offer anyone sailing either Caribbean Princess or the Panama Canal? Well, first off, don't do what I do and overpack, because another perk I got was free laundry. (sighs) Now, that's not always the case, but I wish, knowing that, I'm like, why did I bring all these clothes? That was my big thing. But the other thing is, because we had to be flexible with missing the one port and things like that, the staff even said that we were probably the nicest group of people they've ever had where they've had to miss a port and nobody got upset about it. You know, everybody was just happy to be there. They weren't upset about it. They knew that was, I think once we left Grand Cayman with the rough seas, I think everybody realized there might be a possibility that something might get missed. I kind of thought it was going to be Jamaica myself, but 
I think everybody was just, they just came in with a great attitude. And everybody was like, hey, we're not where it's cold right now. Isn't that great? And there were hardly any children on this. There were less than 20 children on the entire ship, and most of those were officers' children. They weren't even people that were, you know, were sailing. They were there with their parents, so, you know, because they were there for work. So it was, you know, there was a different demographic. Now, if they'd done that, you know, during like a Christmas break or something like that, people might get cranky and things like that. No, nobody, everybody was like, you know, it's just one of those things, you know, it's still warmer here and we're not home where it's freezing. We're here on a boat in the Caribbean. (laughs) So there could be worse things in life. I'm just curious, what are your thoughts on the ocean medallion as far as like, you know, the wearable technology and kind of the tracking aspect of it? I was okay with it. You know, when you came up, they would know, oh, Mrs. Miller. Mm-hmm. Um, I found it interesting because you have an app on your phone where you could, like, track the programs and stuff, and it ran slow. I did have their internet on board. I paid for that, and it worked great. I was doing live Facebook lives and dropping videos and dropping pictures, and I never had any hiccup. I'm checking work emails, even though they told me not to. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm checking my personal stuff. Internet was fine. The app itself, though, was a little slow trying to boot up, especially when everybody's trying to see what the activities are. And the layout of their activities on their app probably looks great on a laptop or Mm -hmm. a tablet. But on a phone, it is very cumbersome because you have to go scroll up and down and side to side. You don't get a big picture like the program would be. So I saw a lot of people just still walking around with their princess patters. The other thing I thought was interesting, they would encourage you to – because you can do things like watch videos on your phone. I'm thinking to myself, okay, you had a lot of people that are supposed to be disconnecting on a cruise – and they're walking around looking at their phone like they could do that at home. But they also encouraged you, you could, like, your first drink was free if you used your app mm-hmm. on, you know, use the medallion app. And they'd bring you, you could bring you food and drink pretty much all over the ship except for the theater, because that's kind of hard to track, you know, somebody down in a group of theater. Mm-hmm. But it was okay. The really interesting thing, the things about the size of a quarter. It has your name on it. You get about two weeks before you sail if you're in the U.S. Otherwise, you have to pick it up at the when, when you get there. It's about size of a quarter. It has your name on it, the date of your cruise, and your ship on it. The print on that thing is about a .40. You know, it's got tiny little writing on it. Mm-hmm. In a demographic, that is a large print kind of demographic. Right, of course, yeah. What the funny part was is they didn't seem to mind if you're on the ship and you inadvertently grabbed your husband's medallion and you wanted to buy something in the shop. They didn't care because that's still going against that stateroom. However, if you tried to leave the ship with the wrong medallion, you weren't going anywhere. And I saw lots of people, especially that very first day, realize they grabbed their wives or their wives grabbed their husbands and their husbands aren't going off the ship that day. And people were getting very cranky about the fact that, you know, I have my medallion. No, ma'am, this is your husband's medallion. I need you to go get yours because it's really hard to read. It's really small. Yeah, I was I was in St. Thomas, and I think one of the new princess ships were there with us in port, maybe like Sky Princess or something. And someone walked up to me and goes, do you work with Cruise Radio? Because I had my hat and my shirt on. I was like, yes, sir. He's like, how do we get rid of these ocean medallions? We need to start a petition. This is boring. We want the key cards back. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you got to yeah, talk to someone higher than me about that. Yeah, that's not going to happen. And, you know, of course, they want you – 
you can like look at stuff, but they really want you to use it to buy stuff, including you could gamble on your yeah. medallion with your phone. You didn't have to go to a casino. It's a little too convenient. Yeah, and you know, and I did spend some time in the casino. Wasn't real crowded, which I thought was kind of interesting because you think that was a group that would play more slots. But you know, the table games were most of the tables most of the time were not running. Maybe one roulette wheel might be running at one time. Maybe a couple of the table games. You never had any problems with smoking or smell at all in the casino or anywhere. There's only a couple of areas in the ship that you could smoke at outside. And there just this wasn't a big smoking crowd. So that was never an issue. But, yeah, it was like, here, you don't need to go to the casino. You can do this. But what I thought was kind of disconcerting is look at all this technology. And all you did is saw a lot of people sitting around looking at their phones. It's like I kind of thought you're supposed to come here to relax, not like spend all the time looking at your phone. Yeah. Well, your final thoughts of Caribbean Princess. Well, I was glad to see her again. You could see where they've, however, changed some of the stuff from when I was there before to make things more revenue generating, where the old library used to be on five. It's now a big wine uh, bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, they, they hardly even have a, I don't know how they can even call it a library. It was like three bookshelves and like 10 books on it, but they still called it their library and had a couple chairs there. Mm-hmm. But you saw where they've kind of jazzed things up, but some of it was for, I'm sure, for revenue generation purposes. Of course, like everything, right? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> All right, we've been talking with Mary about her 10-night Panama Canal cruise on Caribbean Princess. Mary, thank you so much for sharing this experience with us. We sure appreciate it. Thanks, Doug. All right, Dougie, let's see what we got here, buddy. Ba-ba-ba-da-ba-da. Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.